When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. DBL's happening. Jeffy, do that thing, and we're not going to give you any notes no matter how you do it. No, no, no notes. (laughs) On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. Okay, you took advantage right there. Hit it! Do something about your long, filthy hair. It looks like a rat's nest. Do something about your mullet. Get out the hair clippers, jerk. Everybody, DBL is in the house. Um, in the, the various house. houses that we're in are a little bit compromised. We're going to get to that right away. Um, we said that we were going to be in the studio this week. We aren't for reasons. Uh, our, our engineer Kyle's not here, so we're we're all home alone. Except Jeffy Branion, just a couple of hours ago, had the most daddest story ever told happen to him. Like this is this is suburbia in a in an antic family-friendly comedy movie nutshell. <laughs> Jeffy, you're minding your own business, working at your home today, as is your want. What happened? Well, you know, I live in California, so <laughs> yes, there's you the, do. the occasional earthquake. So mm-hmm. I feel what I consider a, uh, to be a reasonable jolt. Ooh, an earthquake. Weird. I didn't feel uh, one, and I live pretty close to you. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it, we, and, but it was like, you know, did punctuated. You, did you check Twitter? Did you check Twitter, which is the, uh, I, which is the I, earthquake? Does, I didn't. I just, I just went about my business, and then sure. and then the gas smell <laughs> started. The gas smell. There was suddenly like a kind Typically, of a gas earthquakes... Smell. Typically, earthquakes don't have gas smells. I'm not a geologist. No, but they can rupture a pipe. They can rupture a pipe for sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I'm like, I think I smell gas. Oh, yeah. That's that's gas for sure. It's kind of unmistakable. (laughs) 
Sure, um, yeah. You know, they that's not how natural gas smells. That's how the gas company flavors natural gas. But the thing yeah. is, this is... This is delicious. A, this it's is a while. Gas. This is a while after the impact before I smell the what what well, turns so out just, to be you an just impact. Accept, let's be clear. You I accepted just, the impact. You were just yeah, impact. I what accepted moving the on. jolt, if you <laughs> will. And, sure. But then the gas smell is the unacceptable. Gas, you got to go investigate. And um, yeah, so turns out my neighbor. Uh, was in her driveway, and uh, she's right across the street from me. I guess she'd gone to the store for groceries. Sure, like neighbors she, do in suburbia. Yeah, she took her groceries inside and then came back out, and she's like, my car's been stolen. Where's my car? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that lasted about 0.5 seconds. And then sure. she turned her head and saw that her car had hit my house. Uh, not oh just my, my house, but turns out she had hit the corner of the house, destroying some brick work and <laughs> rupturing a gas line and the water yeah. line to the sure. pool pump. So... I have to ask, oh. when you went out to investigate, was she, like, secretly trying to roll the car away from your house? Oh, no, she wasn't, happen? she wasn't even there, and neither was oh. the car. The car was back, <laughs> in, her, back in her garage. Oh, so she, this she, wasn't going to be brought up. This was just going to oh, be no, kept she the came Oh, no, she came over oh, and was okay. like, okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she also moved the car before anybody could take a picture of her car whacked into your house. Um, yeah, well, I've got plenty of pictures now. But, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I'm glad we can laugh at it now because that yeah. sucks, dude. Um, yeah. And 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 you still have a, a a gas situation at your house, and that like half well, your house has no gas. Yeah, we, you know, we can't use the stove or the dryer or the washer. Unimportant, unimportant thing. <laughs> the thing I want to point out is the perfect storm nature of this, and and for our listeners and for Brian and Kevin, I've been to Jeffy's house. The odds of a car that was out of control rolling onto Jeffy's property and hitting the house where it did are really low. I there's live a on a fence. fucking cul-de-sac. <laughs> there's a fence. <laughs> there's a curb. There's no even hills in, the in California. Even in the driveway, there's like this awning. So, you, you know, that it, would, it had to thread its way through this awning um, to not hit all those posts. How? And hit his house. At first, Jeffy. I wish the car had not been. At first, I was glad the car wasn't there. And now I wish the car had been <laughs> Your there. car. Yes. How, so now how did the, her car make it over the moat to right. your house? Well, it's a, it's was a, the bridge it's down. A, it's a three-ton car, so it rolled down her her slanted driveway and had just enough momentum to make it over the hump, and then rolled down my steep driveway where it picked up speed. Wow! Wow! That's amazing. All right, well, Jeffy, we can we can refer to that and will several times during this show because hopefully this won't be a train wreck the way that your house is a car wreck at the moment. <laughs> I'm gonna but have this to try is to Dan Van Land, the podcast where we talk about all the music we love from the perspective of a neighborhood cover band. I'm Adam Felber, your host. I am Kevin Burke, your co-host, whose house has not been that's, hit by anything. That's Jeffy Branion, uh, who is uh, Jeffy dodging cars. Does your jukebox here. run on gas? I'm hoping the answer is no. And can you tell us what's playing in the jukebox tonight? 
Uh, well, we're doing a segment on off the wall bands. Off the wall bands. Off the Oddball wall bands. And that's a suggestion from a listener. And over there, we have Brian Frank, whose uh, house is now the second creepiest on the block. Brian, tell me what's in the house of <laughs> wax today. But the least car damaged. Yes. The re- least car damaged. <laughs> yeah, luckily enough, no cars uh, entered the house of wax and damaged any wax. Uh, and especially lucky that it did not damage Black Sabbath's creatively titled fourth album volume four holy shit so true yeah the second half of our steely dan uh black sabbath cultural (laughs) exchange going on here so much to talk about it's Uh, like glass notes to talk about let's get right to it kevin do we have any uh i I think you mean i i think you mean glass notes (laughs) glass notes nice (laughs) glass notes uh, what do we have to talk about in our band? Well, we have been rehearsing and we've been learning new songs the way that people who have a band do, which is pretty exciting. I'm so far I'm into that. Yeah, I'm and excited. I do want to talk we rehearsed about, last night in a studio. I do want to talk about those songs, but I don't think we're there yet. We're just scraping <laughs> the, the, the top edge of the song, so I do, I do want to discuss those in the future. But I, I yeah. was actually thinking as I do before every time we get together as a band, I have to cram for finals. I'm like, fuck, I have not practiced any of these songs. And I quickly have to get together and try to remember how these songs go. And it is sometimes stunning how quickly I forget within a week how some of these songs go. And I have to remind myself. So I try to, it was up to me, I'd practice every day for, for, for a half an hour or so to try to keep my chops up, to try to keep in shape or whatever. Um, but I was wondering, like, what, on your end, Adam... Yeah. What do you do? What do you? What do you? I I know what you do most of the week. Is it? Does it involve playing piano, or do you do? You, or do you practice? I don't practice. You don't practice don't at practice. all. No, I sometimes play for fun. But when I'm playing for fun, I'm not playing like the songs that we play or anything. I just kind of like play. Um. And but and and I don't practice. Well, first of all, I that mean, makes me sick because you show up and you tend to know everything very well, which is which is I, it I, makes I, me ill. I'm pretty quick with 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 the kind of music that we play. It's, 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 the chords aren't that difficult. Um, the piano parts are as difficult as I want to make them. Um, but, and also, and people don't really listen to the piano parts anyway. Oh, yeah, apparently wow. not. I mean, uh, we played "Don't Do Me Like That" last night. <laughs> yeah, no, this we whole did. segment sounds very passive aggressive so far on both sides. <laughs> it sure does. It's we both passive aggressive and self-serving. straight up aggressive. Let's make this straight yeah. up aggressive. No, I try so, to do so, it. No, I, I don't. I don't understand. Uh, like. Do you really feel like your skills deteriorate week to week if you don't practice? Um, deteriorate, I don't know, but but they don't not get better. Partic- they don't get better, that is for sure, <laughs> and they do get better. Basically, what it is for me, and, and and I don't play sports, so I'm just fucking guessing about this. But I feel like you know, when, it's amazing. I can practice a lot about about a song, and then I will go perform it. Like last night, we were doing um, "Don't Change" by NXS, and I've yeah. been playing that a number of times. And I suddenly had forgotten what the actual like intervals were between the notes, resulting in a in a in you playing a note and me playing a note a half step off, which was highly dissonant and not the way NXS intended. That's and, true. Yeah, and it's because I simply could not remember. I could not remember yeah, how were, to do this. You were off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, but like that kind of thing sticks with me. You know. I often berate myself, as any of us who ever took music lessons do, for not practicing. But if I were to <laughs> practice, it would be in styles of music that I haven't quite yet expanded into that I think would be really fun and challenging. I would love to play New Orleans piano in the style of James Booker or Dr. John. Um, 
I would love to to get my jazz chops up a little bit because they're almost non-existent. It wouldn't be a terrible thing for me to look into uh, ragtime again. I don't think I'll ever go back to classical, but I was classically trained. So not to put down the great keyboardists of rock and roll, but most of the songs we play do not have keyboard parts that require me to practice. Interesting. Yeah, I think um, I think part of it is that I would like to know our songs so well that I can do things like you're saying, add some licks to it, add some elements to it, add some fun. But if I'm just trying to practice to get up to zero, my problem is I have such a demanding life making cartoons that I don't have time to play guitar, which is like what a seven year old thinks being an adult is going to turn out to be. That's my wait, world. I'm like, wait a minute. That's like, not, oh. Wait, that's not what being an adult is. It, it, it is where we live, but to most people, it is not. No, I, there's times where I'm like, crap, I can't play guitar. I'm like, why can't I? Because I'm making freaking cartoons. Like, this is not something to complain about. This is not a problem. No, but it really when, isn't. But when no. I do sit and practice, because of that, I have to be very militant. I have to be, like, going through our tracks, knocking them out one by one. I have to treat it like I'm, I'm training for some event. And, uh, and, 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 and why so, I wanted to ask is that everybody treats this differently. Everybody practices, doesn't practice. Everybody... So I know some guitarists, that's all they do all day. I think most guitarists that I know did it because it was pre-internet and they had nothing else to do all day. They just learned to play guitar. And I think that, myself well, included. Once our band tells us, you know, Adam, we've I, our bass player and, and you say, Adam, I've relearned how to play uh, Tempted by Squeeze, I will definitely have to practice that. Oh, yes. That's a somewhat challenging song to play. Uh, the changes are really interesting. Um but let me ask you this, in the year during which we did not play, the pandemic and stuff, uh, were you practicing? Were you playing guitar at all? I, not, again, not as much as I wanted to, but in that case, like you said, I was trying to learn licks and songs I'd never played before and sitting down saying, why don't I know that? I remember I was going through a Sly and the Family Stone phase, which is something we would never do, but I wanted to learn how to play a number of their songs that I should know, like sing a simple song and stuff like that, that I'm like, why don't I oh, know yeah. that? Oh, yeah, great, Um... So no, you're right. Like if I had the extra time, I would play things in different styles and try some new stuff. But I'm too busy trying to catch up to the songs we actually know to keep this band going. All right, dad bands out there, do you practice? Yeah, dad do and you- parent bands out there, cover bands, uh, hit us up uh, on our socials or at dadbandland at gmail because we want to hear. It's really. In- I was interested to hear that you're practicing and and embarrassed to hear that I wasn't. Although I kind of knew. I'm embarrassed to confess that I wasn't. I'm not embarrassed. No, I, I, you make it look so easy. Swear to God, this is me complimenting you. So write this down. It, 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 you make it look so easy when you show up that I'm like, he's just probably playing piano all day while he's planning out his podcast or some <laughs> well, shit. So I, I, I don't I, know. <laughs> I think it's really more like uh, Adam Felber is like Eddie Van Halen. He has to stop yeah. practicing because he's just so good. That's yeah. That's yeah. It. That's, that's exactly true. it. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that that's not. I'll true. tell you those those years ago. Uh, it's almost 20 years ago now. No, it's 20 years ago when I played in that <laughs> Rolling Stones cover band, and we did the entire Let It Bleed album, top to bottom, Including with a female honk. Mick and a female Keith, and I was Nikki Hopkins, mm-hmm. although she dressed the, the Mick dressed me as. Um, uh, Elton John because she thought that was funny, and I did an Elton John impression. That is. Funny. Um, I practiced a lot because I was playing with nothing but session musicians, and Nicky Hopkins is just—he's a crusher. He's yeah. a killer. He's so good. Uh, we we just were talking about him because he played piano and harpsichord on that Kinks album that we covered uh, two, uh, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. 
but uh, something else. That for if it's something challenging like that, I will definitely practice because I don't want to embarrass the memory of Nikki Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, understood, <laughs> understood. Yeah, I, and I wanted to bring this up because I don't. Everyone has their own different ways of doing this. Some some of my guitarist friends play all day, even if they have nothing else to do. They just like to be playing random things. I wish I could be that way, They're, but I got to make cartoons. And they find such a cone of focus that they don't even notice when the car hits their house. Hey, uh, <laughs> we're going to take a break right here, and uh, we will happened. be back with with Jeffy's Jukebox on DBL. DBL. Woo! DBL is back, Dad Band Land. Oh, the podcast that you've been listening to for a long time, but we've been doing slightly longer, which is my way of saying, guys, go back, listen to our back catalog. <laughs> yes, we're improving every week, but um, I know we're getting emails from, from listeners saying that, that, that they've been exploring our back catalog. We have a back catalog now. Why? Because this, mofos, is episode 30 of DBL. Oh my God, wow. episode 30. We have a back, like you can yeah. go into our back, you can find a super saver of our early records, of our early tapes there Absolutely. that you could listen to. That's great. We're, I'm into this. We're almost we're in the territory where there will be dynamically placed ads that weren't there for the original episodes because there were no ads for the original episodes. <laughs> <laughs> our podcast is now an adult. It's like now an adult. Our podcast is, is dad age at 30. It is a dad. <laughs> And for those of you who are just tuning in, and I love the conceit that it's possible to just tune in in the middle of a podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm just Jeffrey tuning in Brannion, right now. Our chief technology officer uh, had to deal with a massive gas leak today resulting from a car hitting his house, rolling from the neighbor's driveway in his cul-de-sac into his <laughs> You know, the more, the more you say that, the more preposterous it gets as, yeah. as we I mean, get into this. I, mean, I don't was, believe and I it, love- and I experienced it. I love that the moment where you where it happened, you sat there, you're like, what is, I'm going to do what I do, and the doorbell didn't ring, you didn't investigate. Like, there's a window of time there that I'm questioning. You're gonna, you could have died with that gas. Well, no, I was on the other side smoke. of the house, and so the impact was quite muted. Oh. And it was enough is, to yeah. be like... Is an estate? You live on some sort of estate? I don't understand. A car hit your house, Jeffy. His house might be a tiny bit bigger than yours, Kevin. I've, I've been to both homes. <laughs> no, we're not getting out measuring sticks no, here, but it is conceivable not. that, uh, you know. I suppose that that makes Some sense. Some of us I don't can... need to. <laughs> hey I just, I just wonder what was going through your desperate neighbor's mind. She was like, well, if I, I know. burn his whole place down, I'll never have to confess. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> if I move, if I get in this car and drive to Canada, I'll never have to discuss this. I, in fact, I want to see if she has a podcast so I can hear the other half of this story. So the, Maybe she can tell her friends about this. The funny thing is, you know, we've been so concerned. We've, we've had some power outages, and, of course, we were concerned about the uh, heat waves hitting... The West Coast. And so we have these uh, natural gas generators to power the house in case of emergency. <laughs> Those are completely yeah. disabled now because of the... <laughs> <laughs> We've lost well, our so battery. You're living on the edge. Emergency. You're living on the edge. You're living like it's the 70s. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Living are you going to make edge. it? Yeah. I've lost my backup right. power. Talk about first world problems. Hey, if you have any backup power, Jeffy, I hope that it has been routed to your jukebox because it's time to visit Jeffy's jukebox. Take it away, Jeffy Branion. Well, thank you, Mr. Felber, for that wonderful introduction. Uh, this week's topic is from James Howenstein, 
or how in Stein, I'm not sure. Um, I'm sure he'll let us know. Um, I'll read uh, his missive. And again, send email to dadbandland at gmail.com if you want to be a part of Jeffy's Jukebox. Okay, here, James. Here's from James. Hi. Just watched the documentary about the band Sparks on Netflix. Think you might do a segment on off-the-wall bands like The Residents and Sparks someday? Saw The Residents live in Milwaukee and became a huge fan. Asking for a friend. Love the show! James Howenstein or Steen. <laughs> that, that's great. Wait, 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 wait. And uh, wait, let him seal sorry. it. Let him seal it. Welcome to Jeffy's Jukebox. There we go. <laughs> oh, nice. I didn't mean to step on that. It's I didn't okay. know that was there. That's, that's, I didn't see that's it. That's the tag. And and now we've codified it. Before it was a little unsure. There, okay. No, no blame. Fantastic so, no blame. music. So you know yeah. what? You're well. You're welcome. Then you're yeah. welcome. That's right. Uh, I was Thank just going to say that Sparks documentary is brilliant. If you haven't seen it, it's so it's, good. It's a must-see. Oh, man. It's a must-see. I've heard that. Okay. So, but we're talking about oddball, off-the-wall bands. You know, we, we chatted about this on our, on the, our Dad Band Land exclusive uh, uh, chat thread. This yeah, join our and Patreon. What we, came up with we, we don't have a Patreon. It's not enough. We're going to have a Patreon. It's not enough to just be a band that has one guy who dresses in kid clothes or something like that. It has to be a band I, I see that what you did there. That was such a condescending wow. trick reference. That is one man what? No. who might look like an old man and one man who dresses like a child. Just I no, that, was, that was actually an ACDC reference. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Just leave the cheap trick slander off of this, all right? That is just that's, Kevin, that that's why they put them... That's why they put them on the back of the cover, Kevin. Oh, I know. Until, yeah. Oh. <laughs> they do look weird. <laughs> I'm well aware. But, that, that, but, but straight up, that was being Angus Young or anybody else is not enough to be an oddball off-the-wall band. You have to be a band that really isn't trying to be cool. Maybe you're wearing ridiculous costumes. Maybe you just have a super quirky approach to music and you're avant-garde, but you're not a, you're not a cool band. You're not a rock band in any uh, established sense. So what do you got, Jeffy, to start us off? Well, I'm going to start us out with um, a little tasty treat from the 80s. As you know, I'm a child of the 80s. Uh, I was born in the late 60s. But anyway, I'm a child of the 80s, and I have been so influenced by a particular show that I used to listen to on the radio on Sunday nights. And um, this this song, it, it, you'll recognize it right away. This is this is a song that introduced me. Like I heard this song before I heard the source. You'll understand. is Yoda by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. Um, yeah, he's an iconoclast for sure. He's, um, the, I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer for the new movie. Yeah, it looks um, great. 
yeah. a fake uh, rockumentary. What do you mean about- fake? Yeah, what are you saying? It, it's fan- it looks it looks fantastic. It, it does just look looks great. great. It's it's got little Harry Potter as, uh, as little uh, Harry Potter <laughs> as Weird Al, and it just we, looks fantastic. We Harry if you Potter. haven't seen the trailer for Weird, the Al Yankovic story, definitely watch that. It, it looks like they picked exactly the right tone for. Yeah. It. Okay, that one counts. That one definitely counts. That certainly counts. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go second if that's okay, Jeffy. I just texted you. Oh, this. you did. I want to say okay. this. Um, this is a band that uh, we were talking uh, yeah. recently about 120 minutes, and I would be, I was, I would frankly be shocked if Jeffy, Kevin, if Jeffy or Kevin didn't choose this band somewhere on their list as well. They're kind of like the original Quirk band, and I love them to death. I was watching 120 minutes uh, with some friends on campus many many years ago when this video came on. They might be giants. Kevin oh, yeah. and I have been threatening to be a two-man They Might Be Giant <laughs> cover band for a long time now. We, Interestingly, no, I, I would still do it. I, I would be the Linnell guy, even though Kevin looks like Linnell. And Kevin would be the <laughs> Flansburg guy, even though I arguably look more like that, Flansburg. That would probably but be th- the case. Those two, those two oddballs from Brooklyn, they emerged fully formed, the two of them and a drum machine, an accordion, and a guitar. And they have made so much great accordion, music over the last like years. Accordion, like Weird Al. Just putting, yes. that, just yes. putting that out definitely, there. It definitely fits into the quirky aspect of these two <laughs> groups. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I, I have to say, I saw them, I saw the Don't Let's Start video on Dr. Demento, and it's definitely one of the signposts in my musical life where I was like, oh, sh- sh- things are going to be different now. Now that I've seen this, <laughs> things just are got real. the same. Shit just got and, real. And I want to point... Point out that like a lot of these quirky bands, like the one that was name checked in the original uh, letter, like the residents, they uh, for a while in some videos wore big stupid heads. Yes, true that. Yep. Uh, and uh, so so do a lot of these oddball bands. It turns out. Anyway, Kevin, what do you got? <laughs> okay, so I knew I knew as soon as Quirky came out that you were going to go to the MLB Giant. Someone was going to do Weird Al. Sure. And I knew that yep. what Quirky meant was some sort of eighties. Revenge of the Nerds turns music band sort of thing. And I thought, you know what? There are more quirky things out there. A lot more quirky things out there in different directions. Um, like Magma. Such as Magma, but I wouldn't consider them quirky <laughs> so much as genius. And uh, um, hey. so I was I was actually going, there are some weird things. And I, I had to pull myself out of the weird, the weird hole that I went into. And I know my role here in dad band land. And so I had heard a rumor in 1992 that there was a band... That dressed up entire demon in, in entire demon costumes, not part demon costumes, just like entire full demon costumes. And I was like, "Oh shit, this sounds like the band for me." And then I found out that they—I thought they were like legit, committed to it, that they weren't in on the joke. And I was a little disappointed at first when I knew that they were aware that they were wearing demon costumes because I was really hoping they were in on it. But we're of course talking about Guar. I knew you were bringing <laughs> Guar to the table. That's why I didn't mention Guar. <laughs> Let's hear some guar. Of course, and that's why I was talking about wearing heads and stuff. Mm. <laughs> Let's uh, listen to my favorite guar song, Ham on the Bone. Oh man! Okay. <laughs> So let's let's talk. so once I realize wait, 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 I just want to take yeah. a quick pause here and say if you are um if you're a listener who has not seen what Guar looks like 
You Stop should now and go to your Googles <laughs> and Google Guar because you need to see what you know these what? motherfuckers look like. Make sure you're like. not at work when you Google Guar because you don't know what's going to show not up. Not safe. Uh, no, I uh, I love Guar, and once I realized they really got the joke about why heavy metal was hilarious, but also they made legit metal. Like it was legit. Took you know, there's some great music in there. And one of my favorite shows of all time was seeing them. I saw them in 96, and I remember when it started, I was down, like, in the pit area thinking, maybe I'm too old for this. I was, like, fucking 20. I was like, maybe I'm Did I'm you literally then, say, I'm getting too old for this shit? Once everyone started, yes, I did. I did. I turned into, uh, to, uh, it was Lethal Weapon. It was my Lethal Weapon moment. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Danny, Glover. Danny Glover. And anyhow, and then, like, three songs into Guar, and I realized I found my Guar community. I'm like, I hope this never ends. I hope this Guar experience never ends. <laughs> And what a great, what a great show. What a great band that's still around. And, I mean, they were subversive. They were funny. If you got the joke, they were hilarious. So, uh, I mean, Guar's music's not for everybody. But if you like quirky things that are bizarre, Guar is a great corner of the entertainment world. Great pick, Kevin. Lo- I, lo- I love this topic. We're going to go around a second one without, a uh, second round without needle drops. See if we- Ones that we've forgotten, oh. but also feel free to write in at uh, dadbandland at gmail.com. Oh, we're going to do needle drops. Brian Frank. I'm almost scared. I'm almost scared to know. <laughs> well, what it's is. clearly our 30th episode because I knew exactly what each of you guys <laughs> was going to pick. <laughs> really? Did did not even bother. Didn't even bother writing those down. Not I have you know got you guys know I have lists not on my list. Didn't even bother. Nice. Um so I have one and I'm proud to say that I actually worked with this band. This is one of the first bands I ever worked with uh, when I worked uh, at Atlantic Records out of college. And it's a great, they're a great band. Um, They were a great band. I heard this first song that we're about to listen to and I immediately needed to know what this was. And I was lucky enough, like I said, a couple years later after, uh, well, one year later, after this song came out and exposed them to a wider audience to, uh, to work with them. So let's hear the song. You guys tell me if you know the song. So, so that, of course, is uh, Chewbacca by Supernova. <laughs> yeah. And you may know it from the Clerks soundtrack. <laughs> Chewbacca! Uh, so, su- this is so, not, super- just by the way, what? this is not the first time Huttese has been on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yes. I mean, we are the premier Huttese podcast. <laughs> it's true. For, for all of your uh, Star Wars related If you musical love Size Noodles. If you love Max Rebo's work, or, or, Max Rebo. or if you're familiar with the Max Rebo oeuvre, <laughs> talk talk to us talk talk to us yes. about whatever we just heard. Sure. So 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 Supernova may or may not have originated in Costa Mesa, California. They also may be from a distant planet that is in danger of being destroyed. So they had to come uh-huh. to our planet and collect our aluminum foil. Of course. To go back to save their planet. Yeah, naturally. I mean, so that, they, um, that checks out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so at their shows, they asked uh, fans to please bring aluminum foil, which fans did. 
And I think the most 1995 thing about this is this was released on a major <laughs> label, Atlantic Records. And what, um, record, what label? These dudes, uh, they're on Atlantic Records for oh. one album. One album. Uh, these dudes <laughs> are amazing. Thing. Yep. Or amazing. Uh, they opened up for the presidents of the United States of America, which also I might consider a, a quirky band on a, yes. on a big tour. Um, definitely watch their videos. And, and here's the, the kicker. Um, so they made a children's TV show. They actually produced VHS tapes of this. They wanted to make their own kids TV show. Of course, we couldn't get it to happen because everyone looked at us like we were absolutely nuts. <laughs> but yeah, sure. the amazing part is 12 years later, they actually appeared on two episodes of Yo Gabba Gabba. So they oh, wow. achieved their oh, dream. Wow. Um, yeah, and my, my last thing is I have a, a five-inch single of theirs. It's the only five-inch single I've ever seen or ever owned. Didn't know you can make them. They made a five-inch <laughs> single. Amazing. Uh, amazing. Now, here's the thing. Do we want to do a second round we or do we want to put the second round in our back I, pocket for no, this week? I, I, can I we think do a we do a second quick round? second round. Yeah, but all I right. need a needle drop in my second round. Yeah, That's we important. all have needle okay. drops. They're going to be very – this is the lightning round. Yes. Okay, Jeffy, start the Here we go. Room. So the Pretty reason bad. I know about Weird Al was because I used to listen to this show, Dr. Demento, all the time. And it just had wacky songs, right? And that's how I got introduced to um, our, our friend Weird Al. But, uh, you know, the host of the show occasionally did his own songs, and uh, this is one of them. I hate to be picking a nit. But hey, dude, I ordered Cafe Latte Supreme, and you brought me a cup full of shaving cream. Be nice and clean. Shave every day, and you'll always look keen. So this is, that's the, that's the punk version. Um, a cover, but the, the song I listened to as a child was Dr. Demento singing shaving cream, be nice and clean, shave every day, and you'll always look fantastic. I'm going to keep this rolling. Instead of telling you about this band, I'm going to read you their official bio. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. TWRP, or Twerp, was created by frontman vocalist and guitar wielder Dr. Sung, who was born around the time of the Big Bang. The 69th degree black belt recruited the group's second member, robot drummer Hav Hogan, sometime during the Mesozoic era. The pair would not fully flesh out the band until much later when the lion-headed, intergalactic, funk-smuggling humanoid Commander Meowch joined as TWRP's bassist, and the fourth and final member, rocketeering Lord Phobos, filled the guitar slot. Together, the four spandex-clad time and space travelers made their debut in 2011 with the Laser Horse single, combination of melodic chiptune and 80s hair metal. That's not the cut I'll play for you here, but please enjoy TWRP. Oh, yeah, you Hard to turn them off, isn't it? Full disclosure, Twerp, uh, giant lion head and robot head and all, are also known 
as the touring backing band and warm-up band for our friend's Ninja Sex Party. Ah. Awesome. I see the connection. <laughs> I see the connection. Oh, there's a deep I connection. Was there you go. Kevin, for you're next. Sure. Yeah, Maximum no, it's super groovy. There's a daft there's a daft punk thing happening that is undeniable. Yeah. Kevin, you're up. So okay, so in the late 90s, I was listening to some really strange music and watching a lot, so many cult movies that sometimes I look back as a dad in the suburbs and I wonder that I made it back into society because because I was just really into some of this stuff. You know, when we talk about what was popular at the time, this next performer would be considered part of the outsider art movement. He comes out of Chicago, and this is a person whose music I listen to so much that changed the way that I think about sentences and how I speak to myself. And as I got into it, I started realizing how much it impacted my comedy and timing. And I am talking about Wesley Willis from Chicago. And this is a song called Cut the Mullet. We have to listen to the first two verses. Do something about your long, filthy hair. It looks like a rat's nest. Do something about your mullet. Get out the hair, clippers, jerk. Cut the mullet. Cut the mullet. Cut the mullet. Cut the mullet. Get the rat's nest off your head. Get that crazy ass mullet off your skull. Now look, I mean, I, I, every song he does is is pretty much exactly the same. They have the same structure, <laughs> the same everything. I swear to God, and it is almost hypnotic. But I have to say, like lyrics such almost. as "Tell the barber you're sick of looking like an asshole" have stuck with me yeah. far more than any Radiohead lyric, than anything like that. Like that is in my brain every day. I love that uh, <laughs> name again. Cut the Wesley mullet, Willis. Wesley Wills. Cut, Wesley, that's called the mullet Willis. by Wesley Willis. Sorry. All right, rolling on, Brian Frank. We got to close this out. All right, so these are all of the same era: uh, Supernova, <laughs> Wesley Willis, and my last one. The, this was a thing in the mid '90s, uh, for sure. So this is uh, a band, uh, an incredible band, and I'd be surprised if you guys uh, don't know this one. I'm gonna uh, just play the song, Jeffy, and then we'll talk about it real, real briefly. <laughs> So that, of course, are the brothers, not brothers, Dean and Gene Ween of the band Ween. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'd wow. say probably as much as uh, they might be giants as your guys jam, Ween is my version of that. I love that. I thought I Ween was that. sort of Ween a is... 90s, they might be giants in that, in that same context. This so, is in some way a bottomless category when you really start expanding it out. That's that's just wonderful. One of my favorite Ween so, things is their 1996 album, 12 Country Greats, that contains 10 country songs. <laughs> um, I would love to let this go on forever. No, 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 no. I would love to let this go on forever. It is my lamentable job to keep this show moving. Uh, so I will say thank you to Ween. And Dad Band Land will be back right after this. <laughs> And we're back, and what a what a just a four star edition of uh, Dad Band Land. <laughs> I like this that there's somebody, to be somebody who rates it too. There's a, it's, well, it's no, a, red, a three star. It's edition. a red letter day on Dad Band Land. 
it is, and the letter is G for gas, which was filling Jeffy's house a moment ago. Hey, um, speaking of rating us, go ahead and give us five stars, not four. It's really helpful if you go to Apple Music or Spotify and drop a review and a rating for this podcast. It genuinely helps us climb the charts, as it were. And you guys are already helping us climb the charts. Spread the word. All right, it is now time. Oh, my God, guys. As though things weren't bad enough, we lost control of our car. Um, we That's were not parked funny anymore. To music. We, <laughs> we lost control in, of our car. Neutral? We left in neutral. We all fell asleep. And all of a sudden, we were awakened by a bang. And oh, my God. We've hit some old man's house. Oh, my God. <laughs> Except the old... At least it looks like an old man's house because it's a really old house and we hit the real the corner watching, of it. By the way, I'm watching Jeffy get triggered. He's putting his head down. He's totally losing his shit right now. I'm, Hopefully we didn't... I'm constantly triggered by Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we didn't hit anything vital to, no. the, to, the, to the house itself. Um, excuse house me, sir. This anything vital in it. We accidentally piled into your house. Hopefully, we didn't damage anything. Where are we? What? <laughs> I can't hear you. What? No way. What just happened? What, what are the chances Wait, we ran into the house of wax of all the houses we could have run into? Of wow. All, well, of um, all the gin joints. Of all the. Can we come in and make a phone call? Mr. Frank? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess you could use the phone, but only after we discuss Black Sabbath Volume 4. Mm, Fair is, enough. This Go is the it. best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tonight in the House of Wax, luckily the car did not crush any of the wax, and specifically the four different copies of Black Sabbath Volumes that <laughs> I'm looking at right now. <laughs> I'll go get a fifth. Like I have another album? one in the other room. Yeah, so, You're happy um, to breathe natural gas as long as your albums are okay. Uh, that, that's it. doesn't matter to me. So, um, so Black Sabbath Volume 4, uh, quite obviously, was the band's fourth album. It was originally released on uh, September 25th, 1972, which would make it uh, 50 years old around the time of this recording. Um, Wax Facts. It was their fourth album. It was their fourth album that was released within a span of two years and seven months, guys. Wow. Think about that for a minute. They're like the Beatles. Four albums in two years. Yeah. It's it's incredible to me. Um, I should mention, too, already a Wax Fact. The band didn't actually name this album Volume 4. The band no? named this album Snowblind. What? But Why? the record label <laughs> did not allow it to be called Snowblind. Okay. So it became <laughs> exactly. It We'd became, like to think. Yes, yes, we're getting to that one. We're getting to that one. So uh, I want to keep the wax facts as brief as possible, though I do have a few because I am wax really facts. excited to hear everyone's impressions, specifically Adam and Jeffy's impressions. But here we go. <laughs> So uh, this was the band's first album that was not produced by Roger Bain, who had produced their first three. It was actually produced by Tony Iommi. It was their first album not recorded in London. It was recorded at the record plant in L.A. Uh, while the band rented the mansion of John DuPont in Bel Air. <laughs> Everything and, uh, about this is a setup. It's just a right, setup. It really is. <laughs> it all um, sounds like bullshit. <laughs> yeah, their their first album, their first album they recorded in three days. Their second album they recorded in a week. 
Their third album they recorded in two weeks. And this album they spent, depends on who you ask and how much cocaine they took. And who remembers? Six, six to eight weeks is the, is the <laughs> estimate, right? No one's really quite sure how much time was actually spent. Some people say there was a song or two recorded in London before going to Los Angeles. It's, it's all very, very debatable. Um, so the other interesting part is the band was on tour the summer of 72 prior to this coming out. And they played about half the album on tour prior to this record even being recorded, which is great because um, they really got to hone the songs. It was really important that they, they honed the songs so that they when they went into the studio, they had gotten their heads around most of the songs. Um, this album was met with mostly negative reviews. Can't wait to hear Adam's review. Uh, but it... <laughs> It went, it went gold in less than a month. It was their fourth in a row to sell over a million copies. It hit number eight in England and number 13 in America. Uh, when the record came out, they started their tour in America. They played the Hollywood Bowl in October, just uh, a week after this album came out. And Tony Iommi collapsed uh, off stage, <laughs> and oh the goodness. tour was canceled. Oh. So I think, Why? I think Why? That, was he just he, he was dehydrated? <laughs> He was dehydrated, exactly. <laughs> exhausted. He was exhausted. He was exhausted. Well, actually, in, in reality, he was because he had been producing this album. They were living in this house and writing and recording constantly for weeks on end. Mm -hmm. um, the, other, the other interesting part was uh, then when the tour picked up in March of 73 in England, they taped a couple of shows uh, for a live album that was going to come out after this uh, that never was released. But the recordings from the March 11th Manchester show and the March 16th London show are on the super deluxe release of Volume 4, which came out last year. And I cannot recommend this new remaster enough and the bonus tracks enough. And so uh, we should get into all the songs and I want to hear everyone's impressions. But I, I do want to mention um, two quick things. One, as I mentioned, the album was originally called Snowblind after the song Snowblind, as, uh, as Jeffrey referenced, if you do have a copy of this album, the physical copy of the album, you open it up, the band says, quote, we wish to thank the great Coca-Cola Company of Los Angeles. I don't get it. Coke in all capitals. What does that mean? I think mean? that's important. Subtle. It's and, subtlety. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Jeffy, uh, Geezer me. Butler, the, the bass player, was quoted as saying, we spent $65,000 recording the album, and we spent $75,000 on cocaine while recording the album. <laughs> okay. That's a lot of money. You know, by it's, the way, this is, I only I find this a lot funny of for Black Sabbath. I mean, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot of, cocaine. of cocaine. All right. Um, so, 70s so, money, too. Yeah. Let's let's move this uh, ahead. Last sure. week, I tried to frame Steely Dan because Kevin had never heard it. And not, not like I was a huge Steely Dan fan. But I do love that album. Lie. Now, I know that Kevin is a huge fan of of this band of the sabbath well, and, i live on um, the earth yes I, I well actually didn't sell as much as the steely dan album well, Asia. actually twice as many sales for asia i'm not entirely sure case, Kevin, like our, our steely dan versus black sabbath selling records competition is versus, not something i'm really worried about why is it versus? i don't i'm not really worried either because i'm not a huge steely dan fan but i'm gonna <laughs> let you frame this one all right let me frame this one because i like this this has been this is a rare unprecedented thing for us where we've almost done a, like a couplet of records here where I had never heard it, yeah. Asia by Steely Dan. Um, I'd never even seen the cover. Somehow Adam had not seen the cover or heard volume four. 
Um, so, and nor Jeffy in this case. And, uh, and which is interesting because Steely Dan currently has no real like pop culture value. Whereas even if you don't like Ozzy, you can't ignore Ozzy's everywhere. Right. So I figured at some point you'd see someone with a t-shirt or a parody of this album cover because it's a very parodied album cover. So I'm kind of fascinated by this, by this idea that, and again, I didn't get into this record when I was a teenager. This was something in my twenties after, after, you know, Black Sabbath was well over, Ozzy was honestly past his peak, but I started digging into Black Sabbath and I was like, oh shit, like there's a great, there's a great band in here. I always had thought of them as like the evil Led Zeppelin. I, I, I was surprised to learn they were the nice Led Zeppelin actually when it came down to it. But uh, so my love of Black Sabbath doesn't really happen until the 90s and even the, the 2000s. Do you know what I mean? Like they were just omnipresent and I really got into them. I'm fascinated that you've made it this long without hearing Volume 4 or any Black Sabbath album, right? You've not heard any Black Sabbath album. Not a single Black Sabbath ah! album. And I think the way to explain that is to explain, and I don't think I've ever adequately explained this. I'm going to do it now. This is the depth of my prejudice against Black Sabbath and heavy metal. And Black Sabbath is arguably, you know, in these couple of albums, they arguably laid down the rules for what heavy metal was going to be. Um, but I don't think I've ever really let you know why. I was so prejudiced against heavy metal and what I was bringing to this listening. So I'm just, I just want to, I mean, it might metal was cool to you in Pittsburgh in the, in the late eighties, but in my world, condescending, so you but know, continue. There, no, no, no. It's literally where you grew up. <laughs> Continuously <laughs> condescending. <laughs> I'm going to make it better by digging I, in. I, it's not your no, fault, let, Kevin. Let, let, it's let, just let, you let, happen let, to let grow up in this place. And I happen to grow up in a that place was that flawed. was deprived of the coolness of heavy metal. And this is why. I grew up on Long Island in the 80s, which is not a cool place to grow up, but it's a place. And where I grew up and when I grew up, there could be nothing less cool than heavy metal. Mm -hmm. Like nothing. Mm -hmm. So here then is my experience about Black Sabbath. One, they were old. There were some people in in, in middle school sure. that wore Black Sabbath t-shirts. Well, let's but let's put this in the context. You're t this is old. This is a sometime in the mid '80s, early '80s. Like they were an old band in the way that Led Zeppelin. They were an old band, right. exactly, exactly. And and you like there were kids in my middle school that wore Black Sabbath t-shirts, but they were essentially Beavis and Butthead. I mean, that was mm -hmm. what the Beavis and Butthead thing comes from. Like, yeah, these dumb kids who, who snicker a lot and occasionally punch friends of mine. I didn't get punched as much as friends of mine <laughs> because I was the funny kid. And if you punch the funny kid, he might be funny behind your back. So you punch his quiet friend. Um, oh, so there's a bullying aspect. There's a bullying There's definitely a bullying aspect to heavy metal where I grew up. Um, by high school, most of those kids had kind of like gotten their act together and they were friends of mine. And there were others that, you know, I just kind of disappeared. Um, but metal itself had had never attained a level of cool in my high school. I was aware of Ozzy Osbourne because there were some fans of his in middle school, but they were, you know, but he was kind of, a, you know, this vaguely clownish, pudgy old guy still trying to look, you know, evil in quotes. He was essentially, like, I thought of him in the same category as I thought of, like, old fat Elvis. Like, it, it's, it's weird that there were fans. And the other note about heavy metal, um, and Brian Frank might be able to speak to this uh, with me, is it struck me as more interesting to Christian and uh, Catholic kids in particular because I wasn't scared 
or interested in the devil, but Catholic kids love this stuff because their parents were scared of this stuff. And and to me, so like the devil thing that was happening and even the name Black Sabbath, it was like all the Easter parades and Christmas pageants. It was shit that I wasn't really invited to, but had to grow <laughs> up around, you know? Okay, so then I leave high school, right? So I've got zero motivation to dig into heavy metal. And Kevin, while you were digging on Motley Crue, I was in college taking courses in feminist theory and literature, getting very preoccupied with myself and questioning all my choices. And, and to me, like a genre that basically welcomed teen boys into rape culture and invited them to treat women like sex whoa, toys whoa, seemed like the most whoa, regressive thing in the whoa. world. These are my these are I my mean, prejudices. That is regressive, not, but look, I don't want to I don't want to get These are my prejudices. No, I understand you must these are continue. legitimate prejudices because there is a component that certainly leaned into that but you definitely yes. did not know anything about black sabbath if that's how you perceive no black absolutely uh, confessedly did not yeah. know anything about black sabbath that's what i'm gonna say i thought of black sabbath as the granddaddy of motley crew responsible for girls 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 and as a result the motivation to reach down into the archives for a, uh, you know, a now a 20-year-old album and figure out what Black Sabbath was all about was zero. So I came this week to this album with all of that, and on my first listen, I hated it. And here's why. Number one, the album is made of cocaine. It's the same way that, like, Piper at the Gates of Dawn was distilled LSD. This is a coke album. The difference is I've taken both drugs, and I liked LSD. Coke is the worst. It, it makes you selfish and self-aggrandizing and gives you delusions of insight and power. And that shit is all over the lyrics. These, uh, these infantile claims to have seen through the veil of the world and society. And I'm only here to help you see that. Like, that's, that's cocaine. And, and, and also, uh, you know, I was kind of right about them in high school. In high school, I was like, well, you know what? You know, girls don't listen to this, so why should I? And this album seems scientifically engineered to repel women. You can't dance to it. Women are only mm -hmm. incidental background characters to the coke-fueled solipsism. There should be a <laughs> sticker on it reading, warning may cause vaginal dryness. It's just like, it was It's completely, un, uh, and again, here's another thing. It's completely unbluesy and unfunky. Kevin, you told me this when you were trying to explain what was metal and what wasn't. You were like, no, 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 all these things, that one's not metal, that one's not metal. Why? Because that's blues rock. That's Roots rock. Right. Metal has none of that bluesy stuff. It's the whitest shit I've ever heard made whiter <laughs> by cocaine. Right? It's as white as a polka party in a snowstorm. And so the first listen through this album, it confirmed all my prejudices about what Black Sabbath might be. But you brought these then prejudices in. You came in. Absolutely. With all Absolutely these prejudices. brought them all in. Uh-huh. And then over the course of the week, grew to fucking love this album. Woo! So yes. All its flaws. Achievement all, unlocked. Like, once, you, <laughs> once you get past all the stuff I just said, these guys, they're so deep into what they're doing. They're, sin they're sincere in the same way that Toto is. Well, can, well let's, uh, let's, let's also point. talk about the fact that it's very poorly recorded. And that is it is it very is poorly recorded. Well, and that I want to before we go into the because I want to hear in detail why you both love it, but I feel like I have to address a couple quick things about the misconception about your prejudices before we go into the record. Sure, which sure. is that which is you know for instance in the seven in the eighties when I started playing guitar, Led Zeppelin was the gold standard of what a rock band a four piece rock band should be. I noticed in the nineties sure. all of a sudden Black Sabbath started taking this position, and I realized that. The grunge rock from Seattle was very much Black Sabbath, meaning 
Absolutely. Ozzy was never. Now I know that. Ozzy was never trying to be a sex symbol like Mick Jagger or Robert Plant. He was just some. He was holding on to that microphone with both hands like it was holding him to the earth. The music was not yeah. about sex. It was not about sex. It was barely. I mean, and and a lot of Led Zeppelin and other rock later Motley Crue was was like she done me wrong sort of lyrics. Black Sabbath yeah. has always been what's wrong with me sort of lyrics, right? Yeah. It's always no, been. No, it, it's, it's isolated changes. freak who, who, who yes. thinks that, like, yeah, I'm going through changes. Like, I've come to love that song. And that's got, like, the laziest piano part in the world, <laughs> and it, it's, oh, it bites wait, on wait. gospel for oh. just a second, and, it's, oh. and I love it. I love it. Well, here's the thing. This was the first time that Tony Iommi had ever played the piano, Adam. That's shocking. He had never played oh, piano. Man. He sat down. There was a piano at the house that they were staying at, started messing around with it, and composed this music, just sitting there yeah. fiddling around with the piano. It's and then uh, Geezer wrote the lyrics about Bill Ward. The drummer was going through a divorce, and so he actually took on that that character and, and wrote those lyrics. And, so, and, I think it's the only so, mention of a woman on the album. Well, and, and, <laughs> and again, to that point, I mean, you're right. It was not designed for women to love, but it was also not designed to take, you know, to be somewhat condescending or misogynistic to women. It was just... Very mm. true. Absolutely true. I would never have suspected that. No. and, and a bunch you know of lads. They are, and they're but, a bunch but, but of... But Kevin, before you go into why you love this... Well, no, no, no. I want to get to what you... What you two, I want to get Jeffy's perspective. Yeah, let me just get into why you two... I just wanted to set that up. Actually, I was going to ask that very question. But yeah, it is different okay. than people expect because they are credited for starting heavy metal, but they... Because it didn't exist... They didn't know they were creating heavy metal. So we're getting to these records that sound completely yeah. different than you anticipate. And so Jeffy, who had never heard any Black Sabbath, am I right? No, no, no. I'd heard a couple well, of songs. songs. I'd never yeah. heard. We've all heard Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. But I'd never definitely listened to a Black Sabbath, uh, a Black Sabbath album front to back for this week. <laughs> and I have to say confessional here um i've i listened to this album more than i've listened to anything we've ever listened to on the show unprecedented I get that. I get <laughs> achievement on i i i was after the first time i was like let me put this on again and then it's like cocaine. And then yeah, it's like what's the what's the classic? There's a classic Robin Williams quote. What is what does cocaine make you feel like? More it cocaine. makes you feel like doing more cocaine. <laughs> well, so Black Sabbath is similar. I've not done cocaine, so, so I'm imagining. Yeah, this is I mean, I I I kind of compulsively listen to it. Like it was such a surprise. I mean, I had this uh, sort of idea of what Black Sabbath was based on, I, I mean, I don't know, like bullshit, apparently. <laughs> yeah. and Cultural prejudices. 100%. Cultural prejudices yeah. from it's Long like, Island, one might say. Am, 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 if I listen Absolutely. to this, am I going to like want to like play Dungeons and Dragons and like start <laughs> worshiping the devil? Well, that's not a name. I don't, well, anyway, in, in any case, uh, I was I came away like 
shocked at like the depth of expression and oh, yeah. the lack of technique. Yes. Uh, yes. Which is but the charm. Especially Ozzy's voice. He doesn't know what to do with it, <laughs> but he occasionally does things that singers do. He's but he doesn't replicate of, it. <laughs> right. He can't do it on a consistent basis, but you, you can tell he's got a great voice. Um, well, it, it, and, it and, just, and it, it's not fully dialed in here. Well, and that's comparing it to Asia, as we said last week, which had, you know, 20 different session musicians who can sound like anybody. What one of the things about Black Sabbath is no one else could do this. Like they are bringing a particular skill as limited <laughs> no one as else it was is trying to do this. Yeah, as limited is as it is at times is just dripping with personality from every member of this band. Yes. No doubt. Personality, and- expression, emotion, things that I did just did not expect to hear. And let's not forget what I was saying about that. This is their fourth album in, you know, a little over two, two years, two and a half years. They had only been a band for like four years at this point, (laughs) not even. And so that's the thing to consider is they were learning how to play while doing this and while composing it. And I think the other thing that's so compelling to me about this band is that they each did have their role. The bass player, Geezer, wrote all the lyrics. Ozzy didn't write the lyrics. He was the singer. Like, they all brought something to the table, and it's something that was uniquely them. Geezer was deep in the coke while he was writing those lyrics. Well, and here's the thing is, (laughs) what, what really draws me to Black Sabbath and what got me so hooked on them is Geezer's lyrics combined with the music. Like... On yeah. this record specifically, some of the heaviest shit that had ever been recorded up until 1972. <laughs> and then you read the lyrics and he's talking about environmentalism and some right. deep spiritual shit. And you're like, how does this come together? And so I, I do want to mention, because Kevin, you were saying it was later in life that you came to Black Sabbath. Um, I think I mentioned to you guys, I had my own journey into rock and roll trying to figure out what records were what. And my first record was Kiss, and my second record was Kiss, and all I knew was Kiss, and I went to the record store to buy another Kiss record, and the guy behind the counter at the record store was like, oh, so he was starting to see this weird, like, seven-year-old boy <laughs> buying Kiss records, and he's like, he's like, oh, so, so you like Kiss, huh? I'm like, yeah. He's like, have you ever heard of this? And he showed me two records, Led Zeppelin Four, Black Sabbath Volume Four. And he's like, if if you You're like the force, this, kid, yeah, if you like this, you you might really uh, like this. And so yeah. that's how I got. I'm sorry they to didn't pull out Total Force because that yeah, would have really completed the triptych. Exactly, <laughs> but but so this was the first Sabbath record I ever heard, and just like the experience that you guys had, I my mind was blown. I'm just like, I don't even understand what I'm listening to. It took me a couple of years to figure out what the hell this was, I, I have to ask and that Brian. I really liked it. Was this is this of all the records we've done on the show? Is this the one mm-hmm. you own the most copies of? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, it probably is. It uh, yeah, probably is. it's of, volume of ones four. That we've discussed. Yeah, this is a vital. Yeah, yeah. How you many? Uh, just four. Just, just four, four copies, copies of four. volume four. I just from well, different I know variations some people, of it. Yeah, I know some people have more. No, and, and, and Kevin, I, you and I were take texting a about this this week. Okay, I was going to say, can I take okay. a moment for a song? Because I, I have to say, we're talking yeah. about the music. We talked about changes. Um, the song on here that, in my mind, as a guitar player especially, is is as perfect as a rock song as one could create is Supernaut. 
And if we can listen to Supernaut. That was going to be my pick, too. Drop drop some Supernaut. That was exactly my pick for the best song the verse, in this album. It's un- melody. unbelievable. Deniable. The whole album again now. You're, it's you're like that not, good. Yeah, you're never getting better than Supernaut. Supernaut is as much perfection as one can create. And and just what I was saying with Ozzy about him, his lack of sexuality, we'll say, his lack of desire to be this like horn dog lead singer that everyone else was trying to be, is why he yeah. pro- is why it seems like it hasn't happened yet because he's had an album next week. But by the time this airs, I feel like he may have a number one album at 73 years old. Because this act ages better. It ages a lot better than when you're trying to be, you know, somebody who's supposed to be a sex symbol yeah. at, at 20. So, yeah, absolutely. On, on Supernaut, I wanted to make a shout out to, have you guys heard the cover by a thousand homo DJs at no. all? No, no, so, I was going to bring up that there's a massive amount of Black Sabbath covers. They might be one of the most covered bands, including a cover by Ministry of this very song, that, which is great. Well, so that's the thing. So a thousand homo DJs is Al Jorgensen from Ministry, who has oh. this cover of Supernaut. But there's another version of it that is with Trent Reznor on vocals before Nine Inch Nails became Nine Inch Nails, and it is so <laughs> worth finding. It's I so good. I can so see that. Now, Kevin, um, early, earlier in this conversation, you were talking about how they were the nice version yes, of Led Zeppelin can, and how they came across. People thought they were the evil version. I feel like I should have seen that coming. Um, <laughs> another thing that you and I exchanged during text, I was like, this sounds really Catholic to me. And you were like, yeah, yeah, they are super Catholic, but like the, all the devil stuff is to show you how you shouldn't live. Right. And that's that. I should have seen that coming because about 12 years ago, my son, at the age of one and a half, got into the song Crazy Train. Mm-hmm. Ozzy's one of it, Ozzy's sure. first hits out of the Rhodes. gate after yes. leaving after being kicked out of Black Sabbath uh for for too much cocaine. <laughs> and um he uh and, and and so for the first time in my life I was actually listening to the lyrics of Crazy Train and shocked to discover that it was, you know, just a heart-wrenching plea to end all the wars on this planet. Right. In fact, the song, the first song on his his first solo album, which is right before Crazy Train, the chorus is, don't ask me, I don't know. It's Ozzy just admitting he doesn't know what's going on and he's trying to yeah. find his way and, through and life. One of the lyrics of Crazy Train is, maybe it's not too late to learn how to love and forget how to hate. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And no, and, so and, 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 and words to live by. Yeah. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Ahead, if Brian. you notice, they're all wearing uh, crosses. They wore crosses, and that's because the their fans thought they were part of the occult, and the band were worried, and their parents were worried about their fans. So they made them crosses to wear as necklaces to protect them because they <laughs> yes, were from actually their fans religious. being misunderstood. Yeah, here's being a, misunderstood. and now that's why. 
I want to bring this up because Kevin, do you want to explain what your mom's worries about Black Sabbath for you and her? Uh, oh, ultimately, no, conversion? no. It is interesting, and and again, this is some of this component I didn't get, I didn't understand till later. Do you know, like why, like the Catholic Church, which I grew up in, and Black Sabbath is ostensibly about doing the right thing, but the framework is about look at all these evil things that are going on, right? And Black Sabbath very much leans into that. Here's all the terrible things that can happen, and here's how we work our way out of that, right? And I say they're the nice Led Zeppelin because Led Zeppelin ultimately were, as much as I you know, love their music, like they were very narcissistic, self, self-absorbed people who did damage. Black Sabbath and Ozzy especially, I think the relatability is that there's a sense that he's trying his best and he's fucking up. Like he's his own worst enemy. There isn't a victim in <laughs> Ozzy is the problem, yeah. right? And is there anything more? Yeah. Is there anything more relatable than that? I think everyone in the world looks at Ozzy and they're like, "Oh my God, this guy wants right. to do the right stuff, and keeps fucking up and doing the wrong stuff." But yeah, the right. the Catholic imagery. But like, your mom was worried about Black Sabbath. She, right? Not Black Sabbath. It was. My, I woke up one morning. This is classic. I woke up and she was in my room, <laughs> and she was pulling out my copy of a. Uh, no rest for the wicked, the Aussie solo album from 1988, and I'm like, <laughs> sure. I'm like, mom, she's gonna love that this is now forever in this podcast. I'm gonna I'm like, mom, what are you doing? She's like, nothing. Just go to bed. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell's happening? And she was pulling out my copy of of No Rest for the Wicked, and then I came into the kitchen and there was an article in the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I should dig this up on microfiche or some shit, but it was about the Satanic Panic, right? It was about how Aussie was was, you know, using Satan worshiping and all this stuff. And she's like, the girls and the women on that cover are possessed by the devil. I'm like, are you shitting me? Like, I, I can't believe this is happening. My mom, to her great credit, like a couple years later, completely admitted this was utterly absurd, that this was a crazy period of time. She was panicking. Ozzy now, I mean, I put Ozzy, he's at the Elton John level, almost the Paul McCartney level of just celebrity that everyone sort of enjoys. It's funny to see that him. he was part well, of the satanic panic. I mean, I have Geraldo to. Rivera said that Ozzy worshipped the devil. There was a whole, wasn't there a special or something? On there, there were a number of things, but to that point, Ozzy was always very Jesus worshipping and very Christian, which is hilarious. So I need Amazing. to, I Wait, need Brian to step in here. here. Yeah, I need to step in here and just uh, read you guys the lyrics of "After Forever" from Black Sabbath's "Master of Reality," uh, which is the album before this. These are the lyrics. Have you ever thought about your soul? Can it be saved? Or perhaps you think that when you're dead, you just stay in your grave. Is God just a thought within your head or is he part of you? Is Christ just a name that you read in the book when you were in school? Could it be afraid? Could, could it be you're afraid of what your friends might say if they knew oh. you believe in God above? They should realize before they criticize that God is the only way to love. That's They're clearly devil worshippers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know what? The, the, what I wanted to point out is that there's such a rich tradition in the Catholic Church, which I relate to almost not at all, but it's cool stuff to look at, of exactly what Black Sabbath and a right. lot of these um, <clears throat> meddlers were doing. In horror like, movies. This is Hieronymus Bosch. This is Hieronymus Bosch. This is a painting showing you all the terrors that might happen and fetishistically showing you the terrors that might happen if you don't walk the straight path. And, and one of the one of the things that's endearing about this album is by the time they record this, unlike the lyrics that Brian just read us, they know they're no longer on the straight path. <laughs> right. And and I do I mean the name and the name's from a movie. Do you know what I mean? The name is not about having a black mass. You know, the name is not about devil worship, but 
this no? is a component. This is a component, and as much as Black Sabbath isn't the evil band everyone thought it is, the 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 universal perception that they were evil but also not dangerous is the, is part of the appeal. You can love them but not feel mm-hmm. like you're actually ruining your life, and I think that that's made them still massively popular. And Adam, there's awesome. nothing in the Bible that says you can't do cocaine. I've read the Ten yeah, Commandments. Right, they're not. In, it's not in there. It's totally okay. <laughs> also, we got to totally okay. take a moment for those who have not listened to this record. If you go to Snowblind, which is the first song on side two, there is the greatest stage whisper ever recorded in rock music, which is Ozzy <laughs> Subtle. He goes, "Cocaine," as if he's. It is the most obvious cocaine song ever written. <laughs> Yeah. And they're halfway through, and so like you know, they're like, "Oh wow, this is cocaine." I wonder what they're referencing here. But but to them, they're so coked up that Ozzy feels the need to go cocaine. In case you didn't know, we were talking about cocaine. We're talking about cocaine. And while we were talking about covers, I do have to bring up the Charles Bradley cover of "Changes," which I think is truly astounding. And if we could it's take a listen to that, gorgeous. It. I always loved the song. I mean, I like the song Changes. Most of my love for it was Ozzy going for a song that he was not quite emotionally or vocally prepared for. Hearing this Char- Charles Bradley version of it shows what's at the core of this song. A fantastic song. Uh, Charles Bradley is prepared. Let's take a listen. That is beautiful. And you know what? Just in the interest of sparing you guys, we are at, we're already a long episode. So, you know, I can hear you screaming out there. I can hear you sad. But we are going to table guilty pleasures until next week. That's right. Part of the reason is because the show is so long. Part of the reason is because Kevin forgot it was guilty <laughs> pleasures this week and instead chose a hidden treasure. But, oh, my God. Let's just put a capper on, on this album that we listened to. That's Journey that we've been on. Because... Because Black Sabbath's Volume 4 is an album that even if you won't listen to it all the time for the rest of your life, and I won't, it's just fantastic and absolutely worth your time. Any closing thoughts on that, everybody? I have to say that I did not know what to expect to come from you, Adam, and Jeffy. And as someone who this album is so much part of my DNA at this point, it is very rewarding to know that Coming off of Asia, such a professionally recorded record, this record that is the opposite of that connected with both of you in a way that I I was really hoping would happen and, and really also could have seen going completely sideways. Yeah, I was I was just continually surprised by this and so appreciate that we listened to it this week. Like it was kind of transformative. Like Yeah. I hear that. I feel like I need to revisit a bunch of stuff that maybe I made assumptions about. Well, that's what maybe we're here for. Maybe I should take these Nazis more seriously <laughs> than I have. Well, we're here to help each other grow, ultimately, and, and yeah. that's what we're here to do. So, Brian. Yeah. To, yeah, to that point, Jeffy, could we close out with a little Laguna Sunrise? Oh, yes. Absolutely. This song was written by... Tony Naomi. Uh, who, Tony Naomi. 
on the beach in California, probably coming off yet another giant Coke bender. He sees the sunrise and writes this. Perhaps directly in the middle of. That is beautiful. I suggest everybody listens all the way through that. I suggest everybody listens all the way through this album. This has been yet another revelatory experience <laughs> here on Dad Band Land. You know what? Next week we'll find out how extensive the damage is to Jeffy's house. <laughs> so I want to do an extra special thank you to Jeffy Branion, whose house just got hit by a car but came out for Dad Band Land, and maybe it was the power of Ozzy and his band that brought you here. Send <laughs> your was. questions, comments, and your own cover band experiences to Dad Band Land. Follow us on all the socials. Dad Band Land is produced by me and by Jeffy Brandon. Opening music montage by Jeffy. Editing and Starburns production by the great Kyle McGraw. Kyle, we need you back. We'll see you next week. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. This is Dad Band Land. Woo! PBL! Star Bands Audio, a, podca <clears throat> a podcast network.